Ag State of Mind, episode 109. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. As always, I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, we are going to close out my month on Sober October. It's been a really incredible month for me with some really incredible guests. We started off talking to Nicole Rodriguez, telling people about what the benefits of an alcohol fast could be, and then we shared the stories of both Chris Beaudry and Daniel Hayes, two people who I found so much inspiration in, and I feel like so many people can share in their stories and can see so many parallels to their own lives uh, to how they have recovered over the years. Today, I am actually going to close out this month by sharing my own story. I have a story of sobriety that is probably a little bit less dramatic than both Daniel and Chris's, but nevertheless, it is one that I feel like will hit home with a lot of so growing up, I kind of always saw drinking as normal. I am a child of rural America, beer, alcohol, whiskey, all that stuff kind of was part of our normal vernacular. And it was something like I go back, I said this sometime, I don't remember when it was kind of uh, like that How Ketchum song, gotta be bad just to have a good time in a small town Saturday night. That was my life growing up. The men, and honestly, the women too, in my family and who I looked up to and who I was close to, they all drink. A lot of cases they still do today. Um, So I never really saw it as an issue. I never saw it as abnormal. And obviously, we emulate and imitate what we admire. So when I got into high school, the natural thing for me to do was do what those around me would do. And I drank, I went to parties, I drank, obviously, it was not legal at the time. But uh, we still did it anyway. I began to drink in high school, that continued into college. But in high school, it was purely social. I did it purely to have a good time. I did it to be with friends. They were doing it. I was doing it too. It wasn't harmless. I don't want to say it was harmless because it wasn't, Um, but I didn't do it as any sort of self-medication. But that changed when I got to college. When I got to college, my life really got difficult for a number of reasons. Obviously, the obvious thing is school got hard. School was so hard. Pharmacy college was so hard. The curriculum was tough and it's supposed to be. It's designed to be. You don't want people, anybody who's not willing to work at college, go through and dispense medications. It's all part of the design. So that first bit of school was really strenuous, really rigorous. The adaptation from rural life to city life. I mean, I went to 
school and I was raised on my parents' farm outside of Cuba, a little town of 3,500 people. My school was tiny. I graduated with 86 people. Then I moved to St. Louis, which is one of the biggest metro areas. It is the biggest metro area in the area and one of the biggest in the country. And I was culture shocked and it was very stressful for me. Um, I always tell the story about how I missed dinner the first couple of weeks of college because they ate dinner so early and they shut down the cafeteria really early and I wasn't used to that. Uh, and then really the third thing also was socially. I was um, I was always used to being probably the jock, the most important, quote unquote, important person in school. School was supposed to come easy to me. I was popular in high school. Then I went to college. I was no longer popular. I was just somebody else. And I had a really hard time dealing with that. So all that being said, I used alcohol as a way to self-medicate, as an anxiolytic. It was adapting and it was a part of maybe it kind of was a band-aid to me. It helped me cope with the stress. And that continued for the entirety of college. I mean, obviously I got through college, I graduated, um, but I still had that lingering anxiety that I always seemed to treat with alcohol. Well, that changed when I met Carrie. She helped me realize that life was possible, an enjoyable life was possible without alcohol in it, that I could enjoy life and not have alcohol in it. And, you know, as many of you know, Carrie and I and our family, we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Carrie grew up as a member. I joined the church after her and I got together. But part of our church is what we call the Word of Wisdom. That is sort of a health code that we live by. No smoking, no drinking, no drugs. A lot of, and, and it's not just things that are prohibited. It's things that are encouraged, like a healthy diet and things like that. But obviously, I to join that church and join our church, I was going to have to abstain from this from my life of drinking. And even though Carrie never said it, it never came down to an ultimatum or anything like that. She never said the words, either you quit drinking or you're not going to be with me. She never said that. And I think I may have like put that ultimatum in my head a little bit. And it was going to be choosing the life that I was already living or I was going to choose a life with Carrie. And ultimately, I think I chose wisely. Now... After all these years, now, again, I don't want to discount like, boom, it was easy. It wasn't. Um, things were a little bit tough, but I got to say, it is one of the best decisions that I have ever made in my life. Uh, it helped me to see that I can still be fun. I can still have fun. I can still enjoy myself out and about and not have alcohol. I think, you know, to think about it, like, what is more abnormal? trying to have a good time, trying to enjoy yourself without anything or to always have to have that drink in your hand. What seems, if you're, if we're just looking at this like at, on a fresh set of eyes, don't take, take culture all the way out of it. What's more abnormal just at the bare bones, stripped down version of this, what's more normal? 
you know, not having that alcohol or have to have it. And to me, I think not having it is got to be way more normal. What got to be way more seems like acceptable, seems like the way it should be than to always have to have it. But obviously, cultural standards have changed that. And uh, it's I find that I find that sad. I find that that and not that I want to say that there's something wrong with everybody who drinks. I don't think that at all. I do not judge. Uh, however, I found that I don't need that in my life to enjoy to enjoy my life. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that scared me when I made this change is how I would be perceived by my friends who I grew up with and how they would react to me drinking or I'm sorry, to not drinking uh, after I, it was a big part of my life for so long. You know, was I going to be a different person? Were they going to view me as a different person? Was I were they going to view me as someone who's looking down on them? I didn't know. I was a little scared about that. But, you know, I found out pretty quickly the people who were were my closest friends who there's an old saying that the people who matter don't mind and the people that mind don't matter and I found out that was absolutely the case with regards to me drinking uh, my closest friends the people who were in my wedding the people who I grew up with and are still close with to this day didn't care there were people who made fun of me and you know they would say the words, I don't see how you can have a good time and not drink. That just seems silly or whatever it may be. And I found out that they didn't really understand me. They didn't understand that this became a huge part of my life to be sober. And the people who were really good friends of mine, I mean, they would ask questions, of course. Um, they would say things, but they would never chastise for me for that. And I'm very thankful that I have a good set of friends who support my decisions in that, in that way. And, you know, it helped me, becoming sober helped me to see that I am interesting no matter what. I don't have to alter my state of mind to find other people interesting or to come up with good conversation. I can be interesting without all of that. So to say this, to say all this, this whole month of, of Sober October was to let people know that if you are struggling with this, if you want to try and make a change in your life with regards to alcohol, I suggest you take a period to give it up for a little bit. Now, I know we have the holidays coming up and giving up drinking for the holidays could be very difficult. I don't know if that's the best time to do it. You know, parties, gatherings, whatever it may be where alcohol is so easily accessible. I'm not sure that's the best time, but maybe after, maybe after that, maybe after the holidays, maybe the first to start the year, maybe that's a good time for you to make that change in your life and see what it's going to be like. Maybe you'll find out that much like I found out that it was something that was guiding your life way too much and that it may be something that you may ought to give up for a while and it may be something that even if you give it up just for a little while and pick it back up that if you take it away for a little while it gives you some clarity and makes you become intentional another part of drinking is again it's that cultural thing where you just are expected to drink and if you make a commitment solid commitment then that you are not going to drink then it's very possible that you get to see how it has affected your life and how it's guided your life. And, you know, so if you want to make a change, I challenge you to make that change. And I challenge you to reach out to someone. It doesn't have to be me, although I would love to talk to you about it. I would love to talk to you about maybe starting a sobriety 
challenge a sobriety journey. I challenge you to reach out, challenge you to have someone to do this with because having someone to challenge you, keep you accountable is going to make it that much more meaningful. And um, like I said, one of the biggest thing I've ever, things I've ever done in my life is quit drinking. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for Carrie that she helped me to see how important that was in my life. And, you know, I appreciate all the support I have had, not just for my own sobriety journey, but for the people who have reached out over this month of Sober October and shared with me how important it has been to them and shared with me how sobriety has affected their life and you know the changes that they've made and how uh, it is kind of you are kind of seen as an outcast sometime when you drink and I'd like to see I'd like to challenge that I'd like to see that change that you know that it is acceptable to not drink so um, I really appreciate y'all support I appreciate the support not just this month of the podcast but the entire run of this podcast it has been uh, my pleasure to bring so much good conversation and create such a good community around this podcast. If you haven't already, go follow us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Ag State of Mind. Connect with us there. Tell us what you think about this episode. Leave a review. Screenshot it. Put it across social media. Tag. Make sure you tag us at Ag State of Mind on Instagram. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you guys and help us do what we can to make rural America healthy again. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.